السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين وابن سيد الوصيل والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to episode number 16 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Wala'anallahu shimra and may Allah's curse be upon shimr. The last of the very specific la'ans we send is upon an individual by the name of shimr whom some have mentioned his name to be shamir in reality. Uh, what's important though is for us to speak a little bit about this individual. His father, they say, became Muslim after the conquest of Mecca. We have to understand, lots of times, those who become Muslim after the conquest of Mecca, they are people who were forced, and they notice that they have no other choice but to embrace Islam, to preserve their lives, and so they embrace Islam. I'm not trying to say that if a person embrace Islam after the conquest of Mecca or during the conquest of Mecca that their Islam is problematic necessarily. But sometimes this can also be a sign of there being some problem in one way or another. So that's what they say about his father. He himself, he was not a Sahabi. They look at him as a Tabi'i, which usually the definition of a Tabi'i is a person who didn't meet the Prophet while they were Muslim, but they met one of the uh, sahaba of the Holy Prophet One of the companions of the Holy Prophet They might have learned hadiths from that companion So the same way a sahabi Usually will be defined as a person who Met the Prophet Saw the Prophet While they were in Islam, while they were Muslim You'll have the same Similar definition for a tabi'i Except that they haven't seen the Prophet But they have seen One or more than one of the companions of the Holy Prophet So Shamar is referred to as a Tabi'i They don't see him as a Sahabi uh, This person, let's talk a couple things that he did before Karbala Before Karbala, well first of all it's interesting to know That he fought alongside Ali ibn Abi Talib In the Battle of Safin against Muawiyah To the point that he was injured, they say in the face um, and so this is interesting to know that a person that was on the right side How this person can change for the worse Like it doesn't get worse than this actually To be Shimr Before Karbala another thing that is mentioned about him Is that he testified alongside people like Umar ibn Sa'ad Testified against the great Hujr bin Adi And his companions and friends who were all killed and massacred by the henchmen of uh, Muawiyah. And this is something that I spoke about in regards to Umar ibn Sa'd as well. So the story, I mentioned it there. Um, another thing that he's known for during the time of Muslim ibn Aqil in Kufa. So that is a very sensitive time. It's a very important time. It's a turning point, really. Um, the time period of Muslim ibn Aqil being in Kufa. And so that is really... You know, what happens in Kufa pre-arrival of Imam Hussein it's important. Things are happening. Important things are happening. 
the tables can turn in favor of you or to your detriment very quickly. And so that's what we see happens with Muslim Aqil. Everything was in his favor, but then the tables turned. Well, one of the reasons why this happened was in that sensitive time when every little mistake, every little thing you say or do matters, every, every little thing someone else does and others do matters, what happens was, what happens is that uh, this Shimr bin Dil Jawshan, he is discouraging the people, frightening and scaring the people from helping Musnab Naqil. Why? Because, oh, this is the representative of Imam Hussein who is a person who is causing fitna and division. Don't support him. And so the tactic he uses is to tell the people that the army of Sham is on its way. The army of Yazid is making its way towards Kufa from Sham to punish all of you. And this was a lie. There was no army coming from Sham. But this is one of those, he, he was one of those reasons why the people of Kufa changed and went on the side of Ubaidullah bin Ziyad versus being on the side of Muslim Naqil. He was one of those who contributed to either scaring the people, threatening the people, or even enticing the people to change sides. But of course, these are all little things compared to his role in Karbala. So let's uh, talk about him in Karbala. Shimr was with Ibn Ziyad when Umar ibn Sa'ad's letter comes to Kufa. So Umar ibn Sa'ad, he is there in Karbala now. Imam Hussein has been stopped, stopped by Hur bin Yazid al-Riyahi. And so there are negotiations and back and forths going on. Umar ibn Sa'ad, he gets the feeling that, look, we can figure this thing out without bloodshed. Imam Hussein is saying, let me go back to Medina. I'm not here to cause problems, etc., etc. Just let me go. And so Umar ibn Sa'ad, he writes to Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. And so when this letter comes, Ubaidullah, they say, was changing his mind actually, which is very interesting because Ubaidullah is pretty ruthless. I'm, I'm surprised myself, but the accounts say that he kind of was changing his mind as well in, in attacking Imam Hussein and taking the life of Imam Hussein. Who was the one that convinced him to go ahead with this big crime? Who was it that convinced him and told him that if you let Hussein go, it's going to be a bigger problem later? It was Shimr, they say. He said, you're the one who makes decisions, not Hussein. Like, Hussein doesn't control the narrative. You do. You're Ubaidullah, the commander, the governor, and so on. So that's one of the things. So this is, he's a big troublemaker, this Shimr. This, uh, he's Mal'oon because of all these things. And then, so eventually, he also arrives in Karbala with an army of 4,000 soldiers. And he comes with a letter to Umar ibn Sa'ad from Ubaidullah bin Ziyad. That look, either you're going to finish the job and go through with the killing of Imam Hussein salam, either bay'ah or killing, or... Shimr is going to be the one in charge of the army. He's going to take your place. Umar ibn Sa'ad, you're going to be a nobody after that. And so Umar ibn Sa'ad here makes that final decision, unfortunately for him, to continue and go ahead with this plan of killing Imam Hussein or getting bay'ah from him and not allowing Shimr to replace him. Now some accounts even say that Shimr had orders to strike the neck of Umar ibn Sa'ad if he doesn't um, go through with this plan. Now this is all happening on the 9th of Muharram. This is when they say Shamr arrives in Karbala. And he also comes with another letter. 
a letter of safety and aman, they call it. For who? For Abbas ibn Ali alayhi salam and his brothers. Abbas, through his mother, Ummul Banin, is related to Shimr bin Dil Jawshan. They are from the Bani Kilab tribe. And so Shimr comes on the 9th of Muharram. This is a famous story. And he says, you know, where are my, where are the sons of my sister, my nephews, so to speak? Not that Ummul Banin necessarily was a biological sister of Shimr, of course. But because they're from the same tribe, he's referring to their mother as his sister. And it's as if they are his nephews. And so he thinks he's doing them a favor by offering them safety. As long as they leave Imam Hussein and don't help him, this safety will be theirs. And so Abbas salam, he hears this. He doesn't want to answer, of course. And Imam Hussein tells Abbas to go and answer him, hear him out. And so Abbas goes with uh, some of his brothers, they say, and uh, and uh, Shimr tells him, you know, offers him this safety. And Abbas gets very angry and says, may your hand be cut and may the la'na of Allah be upon you and your letter of safety. Like, how can we do such a thing? Anyway, so this is Shimr. And it's very interesting to me personally how these people actually think. You actually think someone like Abbas is going to leave his brother for safety. Like, what kind of what kind of mindset do you have, you know, Shimr? <laughs> Abbas salam, everyone knows who this person is and his bond and attachment to Imam Hussein. And then he's like, what are you trying to uh, lure uh, uh, Hazrat Abbas with? You're trying to lure him with safety? Like he doesn't want to live if Imam Hussein is not alive. What are you talking about? But anyway, the day of Ashura. On the day of Ashura, there are a few things that... <laughs> I have here that I've listed, I want to just go through real quickly. Number one is that uh, it is said that Imam Hussein says that I saw a dream of canines tearing me to pieces, he tells his people. And he says the most harsh of them was a spotted canine. And so Shimr, they say he had a skin disorder and um, he had spots on his, on his skin. And so Imam Hussein here, he says that uh, the, the one that was the harshest with me was a spotted one. And they have interpreted this to mean uh, uh, Shimr and identified that canine with Shimr. We usually think that the bad thing that Shimr did, he's known for finishing up and finishing off Imam Hussein salam and beheading Imam Hussein salam. But he did many things before that. He was the commander, some say he was the commander of the left wing of the army. Uh, others say he was the uh, commander of all of the foot soldiers, uh, although these two are not mutually exclusive. In the morning, he came close to the tents of Imam Hussein. He saw that there's a trench that is surrounding the tents and the camp of Imam Hussein, and there's fire in it. And so he disrespected the Imam, saying something to the effect of, um, you're rushing to the hellfire, um, you know, things like that. He's very disrespectful to the Imam, alayhi salam. It is also said that the Imam was delivering a sermon about the Prophet and the Ahlul Bayt, but Shimr disrupted the Imam, didn't allow him to finish the sermon. Because, brothers and sisters, Imam Hussein, he's going to try his best on Ashura to make sure these people know who they're fighting. No one has an excuse. If Imam Hussein's blood is going to be spilled, it's not going to be going in vain. Everyone has to know what they're doing, no excuses. So the, the Imam was taking these opportunities to deliver sermons on who he is, why he's there, who the Ahl Bayt are. But here, Shimr doesn't let him finish 
Another report says that Zuhair bin Qayn, one of the companions of Imam Hussein, was delivering a sermon. He was making some points and remarks and uh, Shemr shoots an arrow at him. Now, whether that arrow hit the target or not, um, I'm not sure, but at the end of the day, he disrupted that as well. When one of the companions of the Imam was martyred, he ordered that his slave goes and attacks the wife of that companion, that shaheed, and uh, maybe injured her or even killed her with that spear. So think about it. When a companion falls, his loved ones might go around him. Imam Hussein himself goes uh, next to the body, takes the body back to the camp. You're supposed to let people at least do that much, you know, after you've killed somebody. But he is so cold-hearted that even when the wife of that companion is there, he orders that she is attacked by his slave with a spear. Another report says that Nafi' bin Hilal, this wonderful companion of Imam Hussein, after fighting, his arms are broken and they bring him to Shimr. What does Shimr do? He kills Nafi' bin Hilal. Shimr, for some reason, has an obsession with attacking the tents of Imam Hussein as well. Not just after Imam Hussein was killed, but on at least two occasions, you'll find reports that he is attacking the tents of Imam Hussein to the point that when Imam Hussein was all alone fighting and there was nobody left, that Imam, the Imam notices that Shimr is attacking the tents before Imam Hussein has been killed. And Imam Hussein, he says, at least you know, let me die and then do what you're going to do. And here, they say that Umar ibn Sa'ad orders that, yeah, just leave the tents alone for now. Let's finish off Hussein salam and then you can attack the tents. And so this shows how low you have to be, that someone as low as Umar ibn Sa'ad has to get in the way of your, lowness, of your lowliness. That's how low Shemr is. Another report says that he ordered that they shower the body of Imam Hussein with arrows. He tried to kill Imam Sajjad because as we all know, Imam Sajjad's life was spared. But it's not like from uh, from the start, everyone was going to spare him. No. Shemr actually tried to kill Imam Sajjad salam, according to this report. And others got in the way of that. They said, look, he's young, he's this, he's that, he's sick. And so like the battle is over, like just let him go and all of that. Another one of the crimes of Shemr is the fact that um, the reports tell us that he went ahead of the army to Kufa with around 12 either uh, something between 12 to 20 of the heads of the martyrs and shuhada. So this is how evil he is. Anyone who's going to carry the heads, of course, is going to get a lot of credit. So what are you trying to get? Who are you trying to get credit from? Ubaidullah bin Ziyad, from Yazid even. Like they say that he also went to Sham and he spoke disrespectfully of the about the Imam in the presence of Yazid. Now, what's crazy is this, brothers and sisters. Later on, I've seen a report, how true it is, I don't know, but you find reports of him doing tawbah and saying, oh Allah, forgive me <laughs> for what I did. Like, no, that's not how it works. There are some things that you know that you're going to get in big trouble for that you cannot reverse. You are supposed to make the right decision at the right time. There are some things that you can never fix after they're done. And this is one of those things that, I'm sorry, Shemr, like, this is not a normal sin that you committed. But anyway, let's talk about his death now. His death, um, there are maybe different stories about how he died. I'll just share maybe one of them. That it says that Shimr, he fought against Mukhtar. Okay, Mukhtar al-Thaqafi, we've all heard of him. Um, he takes over Kufa and he starts taking 
taking revenge from these different criminals of Karbala. And um, he is all looking for Shemr, trying to get his hands on Shemr. And so Shemr, he fights against Mukhtar, it says here, then flees eventually. And he writes to Mus'ab bin Zubair, one of those who was in opposition with Mukhtar. He says that I'm willing to join you against Mukhtar, but the problem is he never got the chance to reach Mus'ab. And he was eventually surrounded by Mukhtar's people and eventually killed and beheaded. And his body, now according to this account, was left for the dogs. One account even says that they, that they even chopped him up into pieces and left those pieces for the dogs to eat. Um, and so, and Mukhtar sends this head of Shimr, he sends this head to Muhammad bin Hanafiyyah, the brother of Imam Hussein alayhi salam, um, to show that Mukhtar has, uh, that, to show that Shimr has been killed. And of course, this, uh, this makes uh, the Ahl bayt rejoice. Shimr was, I don't know if we can say there are any, in, th there are any individuals in Karbala worse than him. Him, Umar ibn Sa'ad, these types of people, if they're mentioned by name, it is because that is as low as it gets. Wala'anallahu shimra. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wassalamu <laughs> وعلى أصحاب الحسن